0: Money starts right now live from the Nasdaq market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lear. Traders on the desk are Pete Najarian, Brian Kelly, Dan Nathan, and Guy Dami. Tonight on Fast, Microsoft higher in the after hour session. The company reporting earnings moments ago. We'll bring you all the latest headlines, tell you what the street is saying right now. Plus, Bitcoin back in the saddle. The crypto holding steady above 7,000 after a massive breakout earlier this week. But BitMEX CEO Arthur Hayes or as we like to call him, Mr. GQ of crypto, says the bottom isn't in just yet. He'll be here. But first, we start off with the comments from President Trump that shocked Wall Street today. Let's get straight to Eamon Javers at the White House for the latest. Hi, Eamon.
1: Yeah, Melissa, that's right. You don't often hear the presidents of the United States airing unvarnished opinions about the Fed and what it ought to do. But nonetheless, that's what we had from President Trump today in his interview with Joe Kernan here at the White House. Here's what the president said earlier this afternoon.
2: I put a very good man in the Fed. I don't necessarily agree with it because he's raising interest rates. I'm not saying that I agree with it. And I don't necessarily agree with it. I must tell you, I don't. Uh, I'm not thrilled uh, because, you know, we go up and every time you go up, they want to raise rates again. And I don't really, uh, I am not happy about it. uh, But at the same time, I'm letting them do what they feel is best but uh, i don't like all of this work that goes into doing what we're doing you look at the uh, euro you look at what's going on with the eu and uh, they're not doing what we're doing and we already have somewhat of a disadvantage although i'm turning that into an advantage you know last year and for years we've been losing 150 billion dollars with the eu nations with the european union And uh, they're making money easy, and their currency is falling, and China, their currency is dropping like a rock, and our currency is going up. And I I have to tell you, it puts us at a disadvantage. Now, I'm just saying the same thing that I would have said as a private citizen. So somebody would say, oh, maybe you shouldn't say that as a president. I couldn't care less what they say, because my views haven't changed. I don't like all of this work that we're putting into the economy, and then I see RATES GOING UP. I SEE CHINA, WHERE they I MEAN, LOOK AT WHAT'S HAPPENING WITH THEIR CURRENCY. IT'S DROPPING LIKE A ROCK.
1: SO THOSE COMMENTS GOT ENORMOUS re- REACTION AROUND THE WORLD OF FINANCE. A LOT OF CRITICS SUGGESTING THERE THAT THE PRESIDENT WAS SORT OF TREADING ON THE INDEPENDENCE OF THE FED IN THE MINUTES AND HOUR AFTER uh, THOSE COMMENTS WERE RELEASED HERE ON CNBC TODAY. Uh, THE WHITE HOUSE PUT OUT AN ADDITIONAL STATEMENT AFTER THAT EXPLAINING, NO, THE PRESIDENT RESPECTS THE INDEPENDENCE OF THE FED. They said what the president was doing here today the white house clarified after that interview was released was simply restating as he said in the in the clip restating his previously held views and of course uh this is not the first time uh that donald trump has criticized the fed or the fed chairperson uh you remember back janet yellen BACK IN 2016 DURING THE CAMPAIGN, uh, THE PRESIDENT WAS VERY, VERY CRITICAL OF HER, uh, SUGGESTING THAT uh, SHE SHOULD BE ASHAMED OF HERSELF FOR KEEPING INTEREST RATES SO LOW IN ORDER TO HELP BARACK OBAMA uh, DURING A PRESIDENTIAL YEAR uh, SELL HIS STORY ON THE ECONOMY. SO THIS IS NOT A MAN IN DONALD TRUMP, WHETHER A CANDIDATE TRUMP OR A PRESIDENT TRUMP, WHO'S BEEN SHY ABOUT AIRING HIS VIEWS ABOUT THE FED. IT'S NOT SOMETHING THAT WE'VE SEEN OTHER PRESIDENTS DO RECENTLY, BUT IT'S ALSO NOT SOMETHING THAT THIS PRESIDENT HAS SHIED AWAY FROM AT ALL. WE'LL SEE THE FULL TAPE OF THAT FULL INTERVIEW TOMORROW. tomorrow on Squawk Box at 6 a.m., guys.
0: All right. Eamon, thank you. Eamon Javers at the White House for us. Let's get a check on the market reaction to those comments, because initially we did see a market reaction. The Dow and the S&P 500 in the red today. The Dow dropping more than 130 points, closing near the lows of the session. The reaction was really seen in the U.S. dollar. Got crushed this afternoon before recovering some of those losses. So question here. We know about the trade war, of course. We're about to see a Trump-led war on the Fed. If we do, what could that mean for the market, Guy?
3: I don't think we're going to see a Trump-led war on war the Fed. I think what we're in is a new paradigm. I think the president was pretty— clear, and I'm not an apologist for the president if I'll criticize him when criticism is due, but I think what he basically said, listen, I'd be saying the same thing if I were a private citizen. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. What I, if I were president, this is what I would have said. Rising rates are a function of a stronger economy that's being taken place after the the things we put in place in my administration. It's something we have to deal with, I'm not thrilled about it, but that's the cost of doing business. Other countries are not following suit, and in the short term, We may suffer, but in the long term it'll benefit the citizens of the United States and our economy. That's how I would have handled it, but I'm not president of the United States.
0: Short term, are we at a disadvantage by having a stronger dollar, higher rates in the rest of the world, which is still basically
3: super easy? not, Not if the stronger dollar and the higher rates
4: are because our economy is doing well. If those things are happening because of other reasons like people don't believe in our debt that we're gonna pay it back and rates are rising, then that's a problem. But let's put this in context. I don't think this is necessarily a war with the Fed more than it is an opening salvo or a response, actually, in a currency war. Because last evening, China did not defend the yuan peg that they have been defending. So this morning, you wake up to people in the currency markets asking, has China weaponized yuan? I'm not saying they have, but that's the beginning of it. Trump comes out today and says, you know what? We don't like a strong dollar. To me, this looks like the beginning of a currency war.
5: Yeah, so isn't that the main point when you think about the disparity? This is what Trump seems to be so focused on this trade deficit that we have with China. And we know that they don't have to, you know, they can be targeted about what they uh, apply tariffs to and they could let that one go lower right and that's exactly what happened in 2015 and we saw the volatility across risk assets all over the planet when they did that and if you look at the weakness right now it could be setting up in a very similar manner because this is a massive tool that they have in this trade situation
6: you know it's interesting because you know you were talking about it as well but he's speaking as an independent citizen as president of the United States when he's when he was speaking with Joe it's just an interesting thing for all of us to watch and i think it's it's odd like the rest of us but i do think because of the fact that it's a strong economy that we've got right now and i think that's something that has to be taken in and everybody has to look at that and just determine whether or not we think that the fed is doing the right thing right or wrong? Are they doing the right thing as we go forward? How many more hikes do we see the rest of this year? And I think that's sort of where he's maybe trying to temper it
5: down in his own way. Why why, why should he be tempering it down? When you look at the data that we have, you look at the economic growth, you said this is, we need to normalize, right? If you think in the last two Uh, market cycles when we topped out fed funds were at six percent you know so look where we are now I think we should go with the guys who understand how to run economies rather than guys who bankrupted five uh, five companies and I want to take one other point this is a really important point he's saying when he was talking as a regular citizen Eamon Javers the the interview that he's talking about when he said that Janet Yellen should be ashamed he was saying because interest rates should be going higher so he's saying the exact opposite it makes no sense though well, yeah. it's just, but, but also economically, if everything that the
4: White House has put in place, and there's been some very positive things that happened, if our economy cannot handle a little bit of an interest rate increase, because to Dan's point, we are still extraordinarily low relative to history. If we can't handle that, then everything they put in place doesn't work.
0: Let's say... Uh-
3: I like when you play games.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I think, I think the question here is, is would the president's words actually influence the Fed? And I think we spoke to a lot of Fed watchers this afternoon who seemed to dismiss that idea. At the same time, from a market, per, you know, participant's perspective, the next time the Fed moves, let's say for some reason or other, let's say the Fed is concerned about emerging markets and the impacts of tariffs, and so they don't raise as quickly, will we then look at that action through the prism 100%. of... 100 percent. You'll absolutely come
3: back to that Joe Kernan interview. We'll play right. the sides. We'll was, like, was the Fed we'll see, politicized? <laughs> exactly. Without unequivocally, without 100 percent. So isn't that is that a what bad thing for the market? What this also does markets? for him, though, is in, in, in my opinion, whether he thought of this or not, I'm not suggesting either way. But if the market were to sell off. Those comments give him air cover to say, "You see what happened? Fed raised rates. Our economy was doing so beautifully. They went too fast. I went, they right. went too fast. So it gives. And we talked about this when he when he talked about the market being a report card for his administration. Mm-hmm. What excuse could they use if the market went down? In my opinion, now this gives them a natural excuse if, in fact, the market does go lower. All right.
0: For more on this, let's bring in CNBC's senior economics reporter, Steve Leisman. Steve, what do you think? Any influence at the Fed?
7: I I don't think so, but I wish I had a videotape. I could roll back and play what Brian Kelly just said. Uh, And I think he may have uh, hit the nail on the head here, which is this idea that the trade war has now morphed into something of a Mm -hmm. Fed war here. And I think, Melissa, you also spoke about this, and I hadn't really considered that, um, other than the fact that I do know that the thing the president mentioned here, which is the Chinese yuan is weakening – apparently in response to these tariffs that are out there. So what do you have? You have step number one, which is you have the tariffs. You have the retaliatory tariffs. You have the yuan weakening. You have the dollar strengthening. And so now the president has to come back and has to kind of, I don't know what the right word is, bully or otherwise cajole the Federal Reserve to say, you know what, we need you to stop raising these rates so far because we're getting killed on the yuan. So this, I think, what we have here is potentially, and I'm just speculating right now, mm-hmm. is another fallout from the trade war now coming sure. into potentially influencing oh. Fed policy. Uh, now, And I just want to, I'll, I'll just add uh, real quickly, Melissa, that I think the Fed has to consider this, and I don't know how much they have to consider it, but the idea that the dollar may strengthen, which could have a negative impact on the economy because of the trade war, does indeed become a Fed policy issue. So that's off to all you guys. I, think, I and, think you got an interesting take out there.
0: And it's, it's a major problem for the markets. We heard that yesterday at Delivering Alpha. Mary right. Erdos had mentioned that right. the dollar, the Dixie, is a one-year high right now that you want at a one-year low. I mean, this, this could come into play when it comes to earnings season as well, right? A
3: hundred percent. And Mary Erdos, and Steve, Steve was there as well. Mary Erdos' comments were fascinating to me. The one thing, J.P. Morgan, the biggest thing there, one of the fears that keeps them up, I'm paraphrasing, was the moves that they're seeing in currencies. Yes. Unprecedented moves that typically happen over months now happen over days. And I don't think that's in large part due, in my opinion, to central banks. I mean, Steve can chime in, but I think the, the central banks globally have inserted themselves way too
7: much into the conversation. Hey, Steve, speak. Hey. Go ahead. Sorry. No, ahead. I'm, I'm just not sure that's right, because I think that what the Fed is doing, right now is the Fed is on a program that's been really pretty much pre-announced more than a year, a year and a half ago. And and I've gotten some tweets from folks who said, look, the Fed is playing politics, raising rates under Trump and not under Yellen. Well, of course, it's Trump's guy, and, 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 and also the vice chairman, who are out there raising rates according to a prior plan that pretty much seems to have agreement not only in the markets, which don't seem all that affected by it, but also, by the way, in Congress. If you notice yesterday, the last two days, not much pushback on Powell for the Fed's rate hikes.
4: Hey, Steve, I'm curious. You talk to central bankers all day long, and typically their response is, well, the dollar or the currency is the Treasury's concern. But when you talk to these bankers, how much do they really worry about a rising dollar and the impact that their
7: policies are having on that? Right. So, Brian, you're saying I talk to central bankers all day long means they're now people lined up for my job, as you might imagine. <laughs> um, well, here's the thing. Here's the line on the dollar and the currency, which is that they don't worry about the currency until it ends up affecting the macroeconomic outlook. Um, and, and that's sort of an operative uh, uh, comment, which which kind of works in the sense that if the dollar should for sh- fall sharply, fall abruptly or requires or, or, or create some sort of change in the outlook for their dual mandate of employment or inflation, that's when they'd get involved. I will say this. Uh, Alan Greenspan said to me several years ago, he said this publicly as well, He goes, there's no outlook or, or there's no factor that can forecast the um, direction of the currency that's better than the flip of a coin. So I, I don't know that that's something that they can often take into account as to, you know, where the dollar's going to go. So it's very difficult for them to use that in their forecast. I think they're much less concerned with it than I believe guys in the markets think they are.
0: All right. Steve, thank you. Pleasure. Steve Leisman, chief economics reporter. All right. So... Um
5: but I just want, you know, here's, here's one certainty. Market participants don't like uncertainty. So yesterday, Larry Kudlow, the president's national economic advisor, or whatever he is, um, said that he favors a strong dollar. He's a king dollar guy, and he thinks Jer- uh, Jay Powell's doing a great job. So today we have the basically the exact opposite from the president. This is the sort of messaging that I just think makes no sense and it doesn't lend, you know, itself to a lot of confidence to about how fair, this is. To be fair,
0: the president did not say anything about the dollar specifically. Of course he, he did, did he was say talking that about the Jay Powell was, was about- his guy and would let him do whatever he decides to do because he was a good guy. That's what the president said. I don't know if it's the direct opposite. I understand how you see there could be well, differences he in the message. He's
4: saying though? that he's doing what he's doing not just because he's a good guy, but because that's what he's supposed to do. Now, if nobody lets you do anything as the Federal Reserve chairman, that's, that's a good right? point. the president shouldn't let you do that. The president hired him to do the job supposed to be independent. Is this uncertainty in the market? Well,
3: there's always uncertainty. There's never certainty Additional in the market. Additional uncertainty. And Dan would agree with Additional that as well. Additional uncertainty. No, but qu- I, yeah, well, yes, because mm-hmm. I th- the fact that we're now talking about, we have mentioned the Chinese dollar has been going down steadily over the last month, month and a half. August 2015, as Dan mentioned, China devalued the yuan. By February, the S&P was trading down to 18.10. You can go back and look. Now, will they weaponize their currency again to fight this trade war? I have no idea. But if you're looking for an exogenous risk, to me, that's it.
6: You know, Steve mentioned whether or not the president was bullying the Fed or not. I would say no, because I think what we've seen out of the Fed over the years, and including with Mr. Powell, they have the mandate, they go with it, and they're giving you the facts. And a lot of people don't always like that, but that's how they've been going when they've decided to raise rates. When they made those moves, they've done it based upon a strict criteria, and that's what I think they'll do again.
0: All right, still ahead. Microsoft, higher in the after-hour session, the company conference call kicking off in just about 15 minutes' time. We'll bring you all the headlines, have instant analysis from top technician Chris Verone. Plus, Bitcoin going bonkers this week, soaring through 7,000, but hodler beware. BitMEX CEO Arthur Hayes says the bottom might not be in just yet. He'll be here later this hour. We are live at the NASDAQ market site in New York City's Times Square. Much more Fast Money on this very busy night. Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out shares of Microsoft higher in the after session after better-than-expected earnings, although slightly slowing cloud growth. The tech giant has been on a big run this year, surging more than 20%, sitting near all-time highs, up 1% right now. Pete, what do you think?
6: You know, the focus has been on the cloud, and you said slowing, and that, that, I think, is why we're seeing this move that's not exactly a violent move to the upside. I think as people digest it, just like they did last quarter, last quarter they released their numbers, suddenly the stock was down a few percent, and then by the time they actually gave their guidance, stocks started moving higher, and by the time we opened the next day, I think we were up 4% or something like that. Azure has slowed down. It was 93%, now it's 89% growth. That's still pretty incredible and I think what they're doing is eating away at AWS so as that continues to go and that growth rate is much faster than Amazon right now I think that's going to be something very very beneficial I think investors are going to see that and I think they're going to like this stock if
0: I gave you all the metrics that we know about Microsoft and what they reported slowing growth in the cloud what would you say the stock uh, reaction would be well. I, I mean, I think it's I really, mean,
5: uh, I think it's important to put it in context. Yeah. What Pete's saying is they did seven billion dollars in their commercial cloud, and it grew at fifty-three percent year over year. So that's fantastic, right? It's almost twenty-five percent of their total sales. And I think it really is about expectations. The fact that, to your point, the fact that the stock is basically unchanged, the implied move in the, in the, in the, in the options market about three and a half percent either way—that's pretty good. It shows you that there's buyers, and they're pretty happy about a run rate of 30 billion dollars uh, in, cl- in commercial cloud. And sales this is
6: growth. out of stock, starting to interrupt at the stock that's very close to its highs. All-time right?
0: high. Yes, All-time absolutely. high. Yeah,
6: yeah, I mean, listen, they've done
4: a great job in that. I'm not concerned over slowing growth when you're talking numbers like 50, 80, 90% that doesn't concern me I don't think it's going to concern the market one bit you know I want to see as we go through this what that GitHub acquisition is going to do for them
3: 58% margins in the cloud business which means now their operating margins for the entire company is now 34 and a half percent which is better than the street was looking for if you're looking for a reason to sell or knock Microsoft I'm not suggesting it should be the one thing would be valuation now trading at 28 times Does that valuation, is it justified by their growth rate? Now, if cloud continues to grow, my sense is yes, and the stock continues to grind higher. But if there's one fly in the ointment, I guess it would be valuation.
5: That's really important. I just say on a PE to growth basis in 2000 fiscal 2018, which just completed, this was a mid-25 uh, PE growing at mid-25 earnings growth. Um, if you look at 2019 estimates, we're getting to mid to high single digits earnings and sales growth. So you put a mid-25-ish uh, P.E. on it, it is expensive all of a sudden. So you might, at 105, have much of the growth priced into this thing, in my opinion.
0: All right. Well, Microsoft's conference call is about to start in just a few moments, and we will be monitoring that call. But in the meantime, let's get a check on the technicals. Chris Verona, Strategica's research partner, is uh, standing by at the Plasma. Hey, Chris.
8: Hey, Melissa. How are you? And frankly, when we look at the response to the stock after hours, really fantastic. They tried to sell this. 102, boom, right back. To 105 that's how we want to see names and uptrends respond and when we look at the longer term microsoft picture there's no other word here to describe it than an uptrend every single time that it checks its trend line it responds it did it a few weeks ago it responded here again we think that 100 level is great support ultimately you stay long two more names that i think in that context are worth highlighting here this is apple biggest stock in the world For a stock that gets uh, a lot of bad rap here, it's still a big outperformer this year, up 13%. And when we look at the price action this year, great reversal off the January lows, retested, held the lows, and now holding the 50-day average. We think that 190, 191 level is good support. Ultimately, 210 uh, is your target here. And then Alphabet, another name that held up to really interesting news uh, this week already making new relative highs. And when we take a look back at the chart over the last several years, every single time it consolidates, it resolves higher. It's doing it right now. We think ultimately that means alphabet up. Microsoft good, Apple good, Uh, own this one too.
0: Come on over, Chris. Michelle will bring the chair in. What happened to you, what
8: happened to the days when you would say, <laughs> <laughs>
3: "Hey, guys and gals"? Long, yeah. Don't say so long
0: gone. Those days long gone. Ancient history. It's an automatic
8: with Chris. It's an automatic. <laughs> yeah. Well, it should be for the people. Do
0: the cues look as good as those three charts?
8: Yeah, and I think what's interesting when we look at tech broadly, 80% of the sector is still in an uptrend right here. Now that number was 90% a year ago. So is it quite as broad as it was 12 months ago? No, but is it narrowing? Not really. I think when you look at this group, it's not just the big ones. Look at the payment processors. Look at PayPal. Look at Square today, right? There's a lot of names in this group that still act really well. It's hard for us to get bearish when that's the backdrop.
3: The S&P, we we talked about this a number of times, tested the lows three or four times. Now we're here with 2,800. Is it a foregone conclusion that we test those highs we made in January, whatever it was, 2,885 or so?
8: I think you're going to see the highs here probably sooner than later. And the one idea I kind of reject is that this market has narrowed dramatically. I know that's been a popular topic uh, recently. If you reverse weight the S&P right now, it's still up about 5% year-to-date. So uh, cap-weighted S&P up 5 reverse weight S&P up 5 That doesn't sound like a market that's narrowed dramatically to us.
0: How about those stats to say, like, the, the biggest four stocks yeah. account for 84% of the gains in the S&P 500 for the first six months of the what year? What that doesn't I mean, tell does you that, is that, that
8: that's
5: true almost every year?
8: Uh, especially in a year where the s and is not up that much, it's very but, easy but Chris, for the big stocks to contribute. And, and I get
5: that narrative. Yeah. I mean, it's simple to debunk, but um, I don't think we've ever had four or five stocks that all have $800 billion market caps. And so if you ever had them all going in the same direction, isn't that sort of the risk? Because right now we have a situation where, yeah, Netflix is much smaller. It was down 15% the other day for a, a quick, um, but it didn't really shake too much. You know, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. isn't that the risk, is that the that if they all were to go in the same direction?
8: That's a great point. But what I think is notable, or maybe let's say it would be a greater risk if they were the only four or five names working in the entire market. And that's just not true. I mean, talk about some sectors that haven't been involved that are starting to show up recently. Biotech's been dead money for three years. It's back on the tape here a little bit. Banks have been dead money for five or six months. They've started to show up here a little bit. So if it was just those four or five names working, I think you have a great point. But I still think we have time before this gets too narrow. All right,
0: Chris, great to see you. Thank, Thank you. you. Chris Varone of Strategus. Um, so there are sectors showing up to the tape now, as Chris says, banks and biotech. Would you rather?
8: Oh,
4: <laughs> Brian <laughs> Kelly, I banks would rather, or
0: I'd rather banks.
4: I'd rather banks at this environment. I'm not worried about the yield curve uh, flattening. I think the banks have good support here. That's where I'd rather be.
0: Pete, you're in both.
6: Is it banks or biotech? Is yes, that what it was? Yes, there? yes. Because <laughs> you kind of jumped the shark on me. I didn't hear the whole thing. Oh, I'm actually. Good. I, as much as I love the banks, I'd actually lean right now towards biotech because I think there's incredible upside right now.
5: Yeah. You know, I know that everyone's really high on the banks now. They had, like, a good week. You know, they're still, like, down 8% from their highs. You know, they just don't act well. I Can't mean, I know excited. that they had a bounce. I, I, they just don't act well, yeah. and I don't know what it is. Um, but they have not shown up, in my opinion. It's interesting we talk about
3: <laughs> leadership. And yes. I, I like to bring sports analogies. I know you do as well. The Red Sox are playing <laughs> 700 baseball. There are 25 guys on that team. But all 25 guys aren't ripping the cover off the ball. They're being led by a handful or handful. seven or eight guys. Uh-huh. Doesn't mean that they're not a great team. Stock market's the same. So I did yeah, yeah. oh, That was good. It's team. not a bad brilliant. analogy. Brilliant. brilliant.
0: I don't know. It's all right. Uh, all right. Still ahead. Okay. It's okay. all right. Um, we'll have much more on Microsoft later this hour. The conference call is kicking off in just a few minutes. We'll hear from the CEO. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC. First in business worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast.
2: And you wish upon a star ah to be a disney
9: shareholder enjoying the longest winning streak in five years and one trader sees even more gains to come we'll explain plus bitcoin is surging but could it all be one short squeeze the ceo of a top crypto exchange arthur hayes will weigh in when fast money returns
0: back in the saddle this week. The cryptocurrency rallied 20% at its highest level in more than a month. Our Bob Pisani joins us live from the New York Stock Exchange with
10: more. Hi, Bob. Hey, Melissa. You know, it may not be roaring back to life exactly, but Bitcoin has been definitely picking its head up off the floor. Now, some reports are calling this a short squeeze, up four consecutive days from roughly 6000 a couple weeks ago to about $7,400 today. Bitcoin searches on Google, we watch that, It's dropped dramatically in the past few months. Well, they're at their highest levels in the past month. But cryptos tend to move on two things. Number one, they tend to move on regulatory news. And number two, any indication that more users might be coming online. In this case, this week's news is mostly about more potential users or traders of crypto. So on Tuesday, we noted MasterCard had published a document outlining how they may try to speed up crypto transactions by linking accounts holding both fiat currencies and cryptocurrencies. MasterCard thinking about getting involved in crypto? Huh, that's big news. And Bitcoin was up 9% that day, its best performance in three months. On Friday, we reported Coinbase was considering adding five new coins to its platform, which would Join Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Ethereum, and Litecoin on their platform. Now, these coins all jumped, and even Bitcoin was up 5% that day. Still, Bitcoin volume is only modestly higher, and then only in the last few days, and futures volumes really haven't changed too much, so don't get too excited yet there's other one other possible positive here regulatory on tuesday fed chair jerome powell said the fed was not thinking of creating a cryptocurrency sounds like a negative well listen the purists seem to be happy to hear this at least that's what they're saying me they don't want government intervention or oversight if the fed wants to step into it and start getting in the crypto business there is potential for much more regulation in their minds the purist minds this would be a negative So Powell saying no one could that 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 this could be viewed as a mild positive for prices, I think is an interesting idea if you accept the fact that more regulation would be negative for cryptos. Melissa, back to you.
0: All right, Bob, thanks. Bob Pisani at the New York Stock Exchange, let's let's trade it. You know, when we were speaking to Barry Silbert on stage, he said, you know, the Powell remarks. The amazing thing is that crypto had no reaction. No and reaction. That seemed whatsoever. like the best scenario.
4: Without a doubt. And that's how, that's how it should work. That's what this asset class is designed to do. We talked about the political whims of the currency markets, the fiat currency markets. Well, here's a currency, an alternative currency, that doesn't sway necessarily with the global political whims. So we've had a lot of positive news. I've been up at the, at the plasma talking about all these positive developments. Bob just laid a lot of them out. And, you know, I think we just got to the point where the sellers were done. The sellers were exhausted, and buyers came in, we popped higher, 6,800, big technical resistance, Mm -hmm. we busted through that, up 9%. Looks to me like we may have bottomed here in Bitcoin.
0: All right, well, some traders out there are saying that it was all part of a short squeeze. Mm. Um, Let's welcome back Arthur Hayes, the co-founder and CEO of BitMEX, the Bitcoin mercantile exchange, which is the largest crypto trading exchange by volume. Um, We've just given you a nickname, Arthur. I hope you don't mind. Mr. GQ of crypto. Mm. Not a bad one, <laughs> huh?
7: <laughs> no, I like it.
0: All right, so let's get down to the short seller theory. There, are, There's a lot of Twitter um, tweets going back and forth about the heavy volume on BitMEX and how this could be a short squeeze. Have you, are you seeing any evidence of that?
9: Well, during the um, pump from 6,800 to about 70. 250 in that about 15 minutes. We liquidated about 230 million US dollars worth of short positions, Um, but bear in mind that we're a futures market. So for every long, there's a short. So there's not an imbalance of shorts per se, but many people probably entered a position around the same levels, which is why we probably got a little pop there.
0: Do you think that we've seen the worst for, for Bitcoin this year?
9: I don't actually think we've seen the worst. Uh, I think this is a very strong rally on good volume. And we definitely could see 8,000, 9,000, and maybe just shy of 10,000. We've been here before earlier in the spring. We rallied from about 5,800 to uh, in the high 9,000 level, but didn't quite crack 10,000. I think similar action will happen this time. And I would like to see us test 5,000 to really see if we put a bottom in.
0: Do you think we'll see more volatility? I mean, that's really what traders want to see, right? And that's what's good for your business. Volatility either up or down.
9: Absolutely. And given that it's the summer and everyone's in the Hamptons or the uh, French Riviera or in Asia and Bali, uh, I think people are taking a little bit of a chill time. Come back into Q3, Q4 is when I think the party's going to start again.
4: Hey Arthur, it's BK. So you're talking about an awful lot of volume going through your exchanges. U.S. citizens can't trade on your exchange. So what's the character of the person who's trading on BitMEX and are you seeing a change in that?
9: So we're primarily a North Asian uh, platform. And as I've said many times, the penetration of internet, the penetration of mobile makes it a fertile ground for digital currencies. And you also have a great culture of gaming uh, where, where I live. So that's why we've seen the majority of our customers come from that region. And in general, if you look at the largest exchanges in the world by trading volume, they all are in North Asia.
0: Everybody's at the Hamptons or on their yachts. I thought this well, is a different well, kind of crowd, Arthur. Decentralized you know, power to
9: the people kind
0: of crowd. Power to the people doesn't exist on yachts. I guess it does. Um, well, but I guess in, it depends <laughs> on
9: who can get on the yacht.
0: I guess it's true. Uh, in terms of volumes, though, where are we? I mean, relative to the peak volumes that you probably saw back in December, where are we in terms of getting that volume back?
9: So for BitMEX at least, we've actually expanded our share of the market um, in 2018 and we actually had our best month in March, but definitely for the uh, spot exchanges that don't have any leverage, the peak volumes were in December. And I think we've seen them pick back up slightly. We'll definitely see volumes increase if we continue this rally. But as I said, I think through a third and fourth quarter has generally been a very positive time for Bitcoin because everyone's come back from their summer vacation.
0: All right, Arthur, we're going to leave it there. Great to speak with you. Thanks for having me. Arthur Hayes, otherwise known as Mr. GQ of crypto, or at least henceforth known as that. <laughs> henceforth, I like that. That's like forth. <laughs> That's like a guy kind of word. Henceforth, henceforth. Yeah. I like <laughs> old timey. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> old timey.
5: I, I think his commentary is pretty interesting. You know, when he thinks when, when you ask the question, "Has it bottom?" He says, "Well, no. I think that maybe yeah. there's a test of the 5,000. When you look at that Q1 rally after that huge decline, it had a hundred percent rally, and then uh-huh. it came back in and made a new low, and then in the Q2 rally it was fifty percent. So here we are, really quietly up twenty five, almost. 30% in Bitcoin, and it's a kind of interesting point. If it doesn't hold, it's going to make a new low, and it's probably going back to that 5000 level, round-tripping the whole move from last October.
6: Hey, i got a quick question for you, BK, yeah because Barry Silbert, Silbert was sitting here next to us yesterday, and I thought the most intriguing thing, and I know that was nice of you to retweet what he said. Yesterday, he pointed out that 50% is in Bitcoin, and then he's got it spread across multiple other currencies. Mm-hmm. So how do you view how you invest in this whole crypto world that the rest of us... Still are trying to put our arms around So this.
4: I, I I, think that I look at and say there's probably going to be a half dozen to a dozen coins um, that actually are the foundational protocols of this ecosystem. So let's say Bitcoin's your currency, perhaps Ethereum's your smart contract platform, maybe we'll have a governance platform, but we'll have a bunch of different currencies interacting with each other as foundation to Web 3.0, which I know you guys have talked about a lot.
0: All right. Still ahead, Microsoft is up about a percent in the after-hours session. The company's conference call just kicking off. will bring you all the Wall Street reaction here from the CEO in just a few minutes. Plus, Comcast, our parent company, dropping its bid for Fox, sending Disney on a magic rally today. Shares doing something they haven't done in five years. We'll tell you what that's all about when Fast Money returns. Sing it, Pete. <laughs> Welcome back to Fast Money. Disney proving that anything can happen when you wish upon the right star or succeed in buying the bulk of Rupert Murdoch Media Empire. Stock rallying 6% in the last month, now up for nine straight days. its longest winning streak in five years. So is the magic back for the Mouse House? Guy.
3: But <laughs> Nancy R, she's, the director, she's cracking up because Pete and I are singing, singing I know. Jiminy Cricket. Jiminy, Jiminy Cricket. I'm set.
0: <laughs> star
3: makes no difference Aww. where you are. There you go. Uh, Back to the trade. Coincidence or not, <laughs> Mel, when they would legalize sports gambling, if you recall, was I do. Disney was trading either side of hundred dollars. We had a conversation on the desk. This might be the catalyst. This might be what saves ESPN. We got bullish on Disney. Fifteen percent later, here we are. Is there room to the upside still? I believe so, especially as we get into earnings season. So I think they've staved off the death knell that they appeared to be in. And I think this gambling thing was a heat. Now, I know we can talk about Com- Comcast and Fox. We can talk all. I don't think all that's right. got anything to do with it. I think it's all in the back of the I think gambling. that has a little something little, to do with little, it. little, uh, yeah. I think
6: you're right, though. I mean, we talked about it that day when we, we talked about this could, I don't know if it necessarily saves ESPN, but it certainly is a great lifeline for, for ESPN and actually maybe extends forward. But... The idea of what they're going to get from this deal, I think, and I don't know that they even had to overpay as much as, everybody's got an opinion on that whole thing. They get Star from India, and they get that big chunk of Hulu. Those are assets that I think will really mesh well with what Disney's trying to do.
0: Anybody have thoughts on how Comcast traded today? It got an upgrade today. It dropped its bid. Not going to engage in a bidding war, and the stock it is back to April levels.
5: Yep. You know, I actually... If you're Comcast, you have to compete for these assets, right, and drive up the price as much as you can from your key competitor. And then now they go back and they are focused on this international expansion, which was really what they had already decided to do months and months and months ago. So to me, I think Comcast is good in shape, and I think they did everything that they should have, and they did not overpay for. But are they going to yeah. overpay
6: for the the assets that everybody says they're going to look for next? Sky, are they going to overpay or no? I don't know. I don't work for Comcast.
4: Well. They, have so they don't have to compete against themselves on this. I mean, they certainly yeah. played a great game of chess here. So stock reacted, I think, fairly well the way it should have today. I still go back to I think all of these people should be looking into the e-gaming or e- the e-sports, if you will. Yeah. That, to me, is the growth area for the entire media sector.
0: Well, you know, options traders are betting Disney's magical rally is about to run out of Uh steam. So, Dan, what'd you see? Well, not not exactly. Listen,
5: you know, (laughs) on a day like today where this stock almost got back to its 52 week high, it might have done intraday um, above 115. Call volume was really hot. It was three times that of puts, and total options volume was three times. Average daily volume. The most active strike that I saw was the September 120 calls. A little more than 8,000 of those traded for an average price of about 140. They looked to be selling. It looked like someone had this position in place. You get this pop above 115 to new highs, and they're taking some profits here. That doesn't mean that the run is over, but it's had a really nice run yeah. over the last couple months. The company's going to report on August 7th, I believe. I think the options market between now and then is implying about a 5% move in either direction, which seems kind of fair. That is that one one year chart right there there's obviously some resistance up there at the prior highs we have a five-year chart which this is the most important one to me for probably technicians I'm a bit of a novice here but look at that thing it just broke out above that downtrend that been in place since those highs I think it was about 122 back in uh, mm-hmm. 2015 guy sure yeah
6: I think the interesting thing is if you go back and you look at the last week and a half or so in Disney even wherever the stock has been it's obviously been running higher and higher but they have been very aggressively positioning for a move to the upside and it was the 111 strikes and now they went all the way out to October like a week ago the 115 so people are expecting the stock to go higher now is 120 the cap maybe But there's been very, very aggressive buying in between the levels, between 110 all the way up to 120. 120 is
5: interesting because it's right near that prior all-time high, which will be significant Absolutely.
0: All right. For more options action, check out the full show. That's tomorrow, Mm -hmm. Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Coming up, Microsoft shares up about 1% after hours. The conference call is going on right now. We will get the reaction from the Street Plus. Let's get a check on our Kramer cam. There's Jim. He's sitting down with the new Domino CEO. This after the stock burned the investors today. We'll give you a sneak peek at that interview in just a few minutes. Much more fast right after this.
1: There's some noise going on in the industry, you know, but we're really focused on our customers and our franchisees. And I think if we can continue to deliver great value, great food to our customers, and can continue to support great cash-on-cash returns with our franchisees, I think we can continue to gain market share, and we're fairly agnostic as to where that comes from.
0: That was Domino's Pizza CEO sitting down with our Jim Kramer moments ago discussing the company's focus on value and quality. And this after some disappointing earnings this morning that sent shares down around 2 percent today. Now, despite today's move, Domino's stock is still on fire. Shares are 15 percent in the past three months, along with names like Shake Shack, Chipotle and Duncan. So given the rally in some of these names, we thought this would be the perfect time. Mm. Perfect time for a brand new game we are unveiling tonight, <laughs> and it's called Order Up or 86. Got it? Order Up or 86. Here's how it works. Very simple. What could go? Nomino's on? is the example. If a trader here thinks it will go higher, they will say, Order Up, and they'll see this. If they think it's going lower, they'll say, 86 it. 86 it. See? Red Ooh, hamburger,
3: makes sense? Voice over now. <laughs> all right, okay. But well, why is it a hamburger, it's a pizza joint. Maybe it's a hot dog. Because we're yeah. talking on all sorts of fast oh stuff. Yeah, it's, it's diner talk, guy. come okay, on. Okay, all right. Let's start with Guy.
0: Order up or 86 on Domino's? Batter up,
3: Mel, that's what I say. Order up, I mean. Whatever it is that I means, I'm still, I'm still bullish. Listen, the knock on Domino's is gonna be straight close to 30 times forward earnings, and the knock on this quarter is not EPS, a revenue. The knock is, uh, inter- is domestic comps. That's what people are focused on. Is growth slowing down? Maybe. But as Steve Grosso has pointed out, this is now a technology company. I have faith in this new management team. And I think despite the valuation, the stock probably could have been let down a lot more today, given mm-hmm. the tape. I think it's going higher from here. So batter up. Yeah, I don't like
4: how it, how it traded at all. I would avoid the NOID in Domino's. Absolutely. 86. growth is slowing and you've got a high P.E. It's not a place I want to be.
0: I don't like the sound effects. No, the 86 is something. I don't know. Um, Let's go to our next (laughs) one. The old 96 -er. Our next one. It's Pete's turn here. Chipotle, what do you say?
6: You know, uh, obviously, since they brought in the new CEO, this stock has absolutely taken off. It's up 56% year to date. I mean, it's an unbelievable run. So what I look at this company and what he's been able to do and what he wants to implement, the stock's already in front of itself. I think it's priced in. So for that reason, I'm 86ing it. Because I think when I look at the valuation at 67 times, Mm -hmm. it's just, and I look at Domino's, whether it's 30 or 40 or whatever, and McDonald's about 25, I mean, this is just extremely fast to the upside. I think there's a pullback coming.
5: Order up for 86 it, Dan. Listen, I think it's had a good run. I think the easy money's been made, and I think at this point, when you think about how do they get back to their peak EPS, which is they're probably on that trajectory, um, you know, it's going to take a little time here, so I'm going to 76 that thing.
0: Yeah, uh-huh. 76. How about you Beaks? Deep
4: six, that thing. I agree with both what these guys
0: deep said. Six, eight, deep six, 86, 76. You guys are so <laughs> annoying. Okay, Shake Shack <laughs> is up next. Dan, uh, order up, eighty-six. Um, I
5: think he is. 76 hit or whatever we do. Let, let, let me tell you why. Okay. I think this is an amazing product. I think it's an amazing growth story. I think when you think about this company, is growing sales at 30% a year. Right now, expected to be $450 million. I think McDonald's does that like in a week or something like that. So I think they have this amazing opportunity, but the stock's up 60% year-to-date here. I think you want to digest the next quarter's earnings. Maybe you get a better entry point because I do like the growth story here.
0: You got two 86 red burgers. That's a fan shock. Of your- I, you know what? Commentary. That's my
5: order at Shake Shack. Point. I do two 286s? singles. 286s? 286s? Yeah, 286s? I do two eighty sixes like two singles because I like the whole you know thing. Josh you know Brown calls that an appetizer, by the way. I hope he's watching TRB, and he yeah. loves that. Cook cook chicken chicken <laughs> that's a takedown.
4: That's an eighty-six. I order right up, there. that that's a that takedown.
0: All right, last up, Dunkin Donuts. Dunkin'. BK, what do you think? Order up, 86.
4: Oh, that's an order up flow, without a doubt. I mean, for a kid who grew up in Boston, he's got a special place in his heart. For Duncan, Places. wicked good. Pete? I would agree.
6: Huh. That's an order up. Yeah, yeah up, order up, up and absolutely. giddy up. This thing's going higher. Oh, you guys finally said, got the up, gist up, up, of the up up game. Up. Yeah, yeah. Order There's up. room for expansion on the giddy up. You yeah. know, it's yeah. really not giddy fair up. for
3: me to play this Because I actually worked it, to, as you know, I worked at the Domino's and I worked at the Shake Shack. So it's, it's somewhat... It's disingenuous of me. Fired? To be, Were you 86? Huh? Oh yeah, no, look at that. He was 86. <laughs> he was sure.
0: 86. Yeah, he, I wasn't wasn't 86 he needs a
3: red anything. burger on that on that Yeah, I got the whole All
10: thing right. going yeah. there. You Coming wash up. Watch your
3: hands. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Microsoft higher in the after-hours session. The company conference call is underway. We will tell you what Wall Street's saying about the quarter. Much more fast than two. Microsoft's earnings call wrapping up right now. Let's get to Josh Lipton in San Francisco. Hi, Josh.
11: Uh, well, Mel, for a quick take, I checked in with Kirk Matern over at Evercore ISI, and, and speaking about that commercial cloud revenue number of $7 billion, um, up 53%, Matern saying when you see that kind of strong growth off a much bigger base with stronger leverage, it reiterates the positive thesis around the cl- cloud story. I did ask him about Azure, you know, that growth clocked in at 89%. It was 93% in Q3, so why that uh, deceleration? Matern saying uh, he simply believes that's the law of no- large numbers kicking in, the base is getting getting bigger. He says this is probably a $9 billion business, growing at more than 80%. And I also did check in with Ken Accord's Richard Davis. Now, he tells me he was a bit cautious heading into this print just because the run the stock has had, reminding us that it was up more than 20% year-to-date heading into the print. However, he remains bold up on that name, thinks it's a tech stock you have to own. On the call, Satya Nadella talking more about Azure specifically. Take a listen.
10: The world's leading companies are running on Azure, and I'm especially proud that Walmart chose Azure and Microsoft 365 to accelerate its digital transformation for their associates and customers.
11: Nadella, uh, spoken about Office 365. They're knowing that's a multi-billion dollar business. Says Windows 10 is now active on 700 million devices. Says LinkedIn has 575 million members now. Revenue growth there of 37%. Melissa, back to you.
0: All right, Josh, thanks. Great rundown of the quarter there. Microsoft shares uh, basically at after-hours session highs right now. Dan, what'd you uh, make of the commentary?
5: uh, um, I think, Kirk, matured had it correct you know what I mean this is a good story here Um, you know the valuation as we mentioned I think is kind of challenging here but I think when you're talking about their core growth initiatives and the way they're growing and what the greater percentage of their total sales um, I think it makes sense here.
0: Anybody?
6: What I really liked is we actually finally got a report about LinkedIn and the fact that the growth there and 37 percent I mean that's a huge number the one thing we really haven't looked into that's another aside of all of this is the gaming side which is something, you know, we mentioned with Disney, but when you look at the Microsoft side, it's another part of the Microsoft that everybody just sort of casts off. They've had growth there as well. Last quarter was 18%. So I think going forward, they've got growth, growth, growth. Obviously, You're in, cloud in the stock driving. and the
0: options here. I am. Yep. Yeah. What do you need the options to do to make money? Well, I own the 110
6: calls. Mm-hmm. And with a move like this, you don't have to go through 110 for those to actually move. They're already going to start moving come tomorrow. So I'm excited about that.
0: All right. Up next, final trades.
6: I'm going with Weight Watchers. First of all, we had option activity in there today. Second of all, Oprah is the greatest activist investor I've ever seen, and I think this stock's going higher in there. No longer just a diet company, this is a lifestyle. Kitty up.
4: BK. Interesting. Well, you know what you should buy in a currency war? You should buy some gold, GLD. If you don't like the Bitcoin, gold's your place to go.
5: Dan uh, yeah, retail had a good day today. One of the most constructive charts in oh. retail is Target. That one looks like it's going to make a play for its prior all-time highs are 85. Bring it on. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
4: 86.
5: 86. Great music tonight. You hear that Lee
3: Van Cleef stuff we had going? No. Know what else to good. <laughs> not bad
0: or ugly anymore?
3: IBM. All
0: right. I'm Melissa Lee. Thanks for watching. See you back here tomorrow at 5 for more Fast Money. In the meantime, don't go anywhere. Mad Money starts right now. We'll i